Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All gas, no brake. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the now we have liftoff New York Jets podcast. I'm your host, John June, and joined by the guy to the left of me. Frank Jim Piccolo. <laughs> Frank, what's shaking, bro? Not much. I just, on behalf of the Now We Have Liftoff podcast, I want to declare the today 228 day or 28 day in honor of Curtis Martin because today is February 8th. Yes, 28 day. I can get behind it. Um, Curtis Martin day. I mean, I, the Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore kind of makes like a 28 behind me. So, you know. <laughs> Stop. Nope. It's Curtis Martin. Hey. Until they – I know. Until they prove otherwise. In honor of Curtis Martin, relax there, buddy. <laughs> yes. If you uh, – welcome into the show. It's been obviously too long since we've been here. So, there's we got to get some, some some of that tension out of the way. Uh, because you know we've been a been a minute since we've been on the mic here talking about our New York Jets, and as you can tell, we're in off season mode because I am energetic. I have I'm full of spunk. I am not beaten down and uh dragged through the mud like I like I can be here on on some of these shows. But you know we got a boatload of draft picks. We got a boatload of cap space. We've got some core pieces that we feel comfortable building around. Um, but, you know, before we get into any of that, though, any anything of that nature, right, before we even get into the Senior Bowl, which obviously we're going to break down, we got to finish a breakdown, man. We're talking about these special teams, and let's just kind of get it out the way. Um, you know, we're going to break down some special teams. We're also going to talk uh, about Sala, uh, get into a little bit of Joe Douglas as well. And then from there, we're going to go right into – off-season type stuff, uh, headlines. Um, we're going to talk about the Makai Becton stuff, the Senior Bowl, uh, things around the league. So, um, you know, we'll get into a little bit of everything. So, again, we appreciate y'all kicking us, kicking it with us here live on this Tuesday night, just about 7 p.m., a little bit, uh, three, three minutes before 7 right now as we record this. But, um, obviously – if you're listening on YouTube, uh, watching on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you may be listening, we appreciate the love there as well. Just make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell, uh, and just make sure you're plugged in on every episode because you don't want to miss this juice. So that being said, Frank, let's get right into the special teams unit and let's talk about Brent Boyer, man. Um, he's done a fantastic job now. Over, you know, he's he's made it through three different coaching staffs. He's outlast three different coaching staffs. Um, you know, the Jets, since having the, uh, you know, since the retirement, we'll call it, of Mike Westoff, um, the Jets have struggled on special teams. They struggled for a while uh, to really find, you know, that guy at 
to be the coordinator there uh, and really hold it down. And, and Brant Boyer, um, you know, he seems to be the the best guy we've had doing that job since since Mike Westoff there. And, you know, led a, a jet special teams unit that according to football outsiders, Frank, let me let me see if you can guess this where the jet special teams unit finished in uh DVO in football outsiders DVOA metric here. All right, let's do it. So take a guess. <laughs> 28. They finished better than 28, sir. 19. Better than 19. Even with the field goal unit? <laughs> Even with that field goal unit, they finished better than 19. 18. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than 18. 12. Better than 12. 9. Better than 9. 8. Better than 8. 6. Better than six. Three. <laughs> Better than three. There's no way they're the best special teams unit in the league. Well, because they're number two. <laughs> but uh, how is that possible? How is that possible? With well, I, I don't even remember the guy's name that they had at the beginning of the year as the kicker that couldn't. Matt Amendola. He, he haunts my life. I know. Matt All Amendola. I remember is you screaming for him to be fired. Yeah, oh, he, he was, I don't know if you saw they signed him to a future contract. The Jets. Hello. Anyway, so um <laughs> the Jets who were 29th in 2020 finished as the second best special teams unit. And I think there's a lot of reasons for why this why something like this happens, right? I think you saw the the overall depth on this roster got got better, right? They didn't get you know a ton of talent, but you felt more comfortable, you know, about the guys on the depth chart uh, than you have in 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 years past. And there's a lot of young guys on this team as well, guys that are fighting to make the roster. So a lot of these guys end up playing on your special teams unit. And regardless of you know, besides having a bottom five field goal unit. They were top seven in every other category. Um, they were first as a kickoff return unit. Uh, they were fifth as a punt return unit uh, in the same DVOA metrics provided by Football Outsiders. So the Jets special teams unit was a strength, um, you know, on this on the year, you know, not counting the field goal unit. So if they could really, you know, Brant Boyer could continue – like the problem obviously isn't scheme with him, right? Because he's been doing this and he's been doing the best that he could with the talent that he's been given. Um, and if they could, again, shore up the talent of the team, which that'll help the special teams unit, because now guys that might be starters for you are now like full-time special teams players uh, and, and making an impact that way. Frank, what are your thoughts on, you know, how the unit did in 2022 or 2021 and, you know, what it could potentially be like going into uh, next season. Yeah, I think I love Boyer. I just, I like his persona. I like how he coaches, you know, normally you get the special team coaches are full of, you know, fire and vinegar, you know, Westhoff was notorious of, I was going to say running up the sidelines, but I don't think it was more like a limp up the sidelines with Westhoff. But you knew when he was angry and where he, when he wanted to get a point uh, given. But I think a lot goes to, you know, they brought, they brought in Justin Hardy from New Orleans. He kind of, I think he kind of set a tone. I know me and you have talked off air, you know, about guys like Rontez Miles and the such like that. But, you know, th these guys leave the Jets and they don't play anywhere else. They just kind of fade into football yesteryear. So I think it was important for the Jets to get a guy like 
Justin Hardy to set the tone about what what a special teams is supposed to look like, what how you're supposed to go about your day day in and day out process being a special teams player. And I think a lot helped that that this team is young. So they're demanded to play on this special teams unit. Guys like Nazardine and Sherwood and MC Squared, even Michael, even Michael Carter, you know, like I th- I think yeah. that has a I think that has a lot to do with it, right? Like you got a lot of young, hungry guys on on this football team. And I think and don't forget uh Jeff Smith, the best gunner on the team. Supposedly. <laughs> Supposedly, corner. I <sighs> all right. I'm that that's that's where I I'd say here you go, John. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I knocked you out your out No, your it's not here. your fault. It's not your fault. It's Salah's fault because <laughs> we have Justin Hardy, who's probably like top five gunner in the league. But we have Jeff Smith, so nothing to worry about here. Um, you know, it was it was just funny. Like, uh, it's. It's funny because the you know the Jets obviously they were at the Senior Bowl and we're obviously going to talk about that. But Leon Washington, he's the assistant special teams coach, and he was mic'd up, and you could see the energy that he has, and I'm sure that he you know he's he's you know you see, you're watching him interact with college kids that he's coaching for a week. You know, I can only imagine what his energy is like with with the with the Jets and and those you know those bottom of the roster guys. Um, you know that have that have an opportunity uh, to to make an impact on special teams. You know, uh, special teams is it's kind of you're, you're doing a dirt you're doing the dirty work, man. I mean, I was a you know primarily a special teams player in in college and and even a lot in high school too. So like uh, you're doing a lot of that a lot of that dirty work. It's a lot of the you know the 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 stuff that nobody really wants to do, but you you know. Busting through wedges, uh, <laughs> you know, sacrificing your body to, to let somebody else make a. There's uh, none of that uh, anymore, though. None, none of that anymore as 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 much. But anyway, you know, uh, Jeff Smith is ten times the special teams player I ever was. So, you know, I, I I look at, you know, again, like I was saying before, getting the the roster up to a point where you feel really comfortable about the depth and the guys that are actually out there covering punts and kicks for you, right? You know, you, you get some better athletes on the team that are able to do some of those things. Right. So, um, you know, Brandon Eccles, right. He's a guy, if the jets go, go out and get a starting corner, like, right. Brandon Eccles probably becomes, you know, a a special teams player, right. Michael Carter, the second, you know, a special teams player, um, and, and that's not a bad thing at all, right? And and so I, I, you know, those are the types of things that I would look to. A guy I hope that they don't have to replace, but you know, money talks. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Braxton Berrios, who uh, made first team All Pro, uh, the Jets only, um, believe it was the Jets only All Pro selection, um, and he was definitely the, the, the Jets only first team All Pro selection. Uh, did get a alternate nod as a you know pro as a Pro Bowl uh, return man there. So uh, you know he had a phenomenal year. You know, obviously had a really good year as a receiver, but from a special teams perspective, he was number one in the league in kick return average, uh, average thirty point four yards per kick return. Uh, that's actually three whole yards more than the second best um player in terms of of average yards per kick return in Andre Roberts who we we obviously know from his time with the Jets and and obviously what he did what he's done in Buffalo and just throughout his career he's been one of the best return men in the league so you know he averaged a whole 3 yards more than you know a guy that's been one of the best return men in the league for the last you know 2 2 3 seasons and then he was uh also uh I believe he was first in punt return average as well if i'm not mistaken no nope. uh, he was uh he, sorry he didn't get enough punt returns to qualify for his punt return average but he averaged 13.4 yards per turn 
uh, Devin Duvernay from Baltimore led the league with 13.8. So um, his obviously, you know, had a had a good season there as well, just overall in the return game and, and even on offense. What are your – I guess what would be your expectation, you know, your confidence level on a scale of 1 to 10 of Braxton Berrios getting re-signed, uh, to, you know, returning to the Jets? Uh, and would you pay what it costs to get that done? First, you got to tell me what it costs to get it done. Well, the reports were out there. Rich Samini, I think, had uh, put in a recent article that it would cost about $9 million per year. That's what the the camp, the Barrios camp, is looking for. So, I would say it's about 20% that he gets that type of money. Maybe they settle on something like three years, 15 mil with like 12 million guaranteed. Something like I could, to me, that's more reasonable. That's more guaranteed money than he's probably going to get on the open market. And I just think that the Jets, if nothing alone, need him for a punt return. Uh, in later podcasts, we'll get into what we think the Jets should do with that wide receiver depth uh, group going forward. But it's going to be a problem, in my opinion, if Braxton Berrios is going to be counted on to be the number three receiver in that group. Yeah, they definitely can't count on Berrios to be the number three receiver. I think he's got to be a number four receiver. Um, but if the, again, if the Jets are planning to spend one of these early draft picks, you know, say it be four or 10 or, or even, you know, 35 and 38, if they cho- choose to use one of those picks on, on a wide receiver, uh, Barrios, you know, playing on, you know, in an, somewhat of an inflated deal, right. Where, like you said, you give him a three year uh, deal somewhere about, five to six million dollars a year and maybe you you guarantee the first two years of it or something like that and give all the guaranteed money up front um and and it allows you that opportunity like when you when you do have to pay elijah more or you do have to uh, make a decision on on you know what to do with Corey davis or or you know even you know looking towards the future with some of these other uh some of these other players on offense right like you can make the decisions to move on from some of these players like a Barrios or, or Corey Davis. Uh, I do hope that they do get something done. You know, it's, um, you know, it's just, it seems like it would be typical of, of, you know, the jets to have a player like this in their house for uh, as long as they did. And uh, for them to like, not be able to, to keep him, after having a breakout season. So um, when are you going to thank Adam Gaze for signing Braxton Berrios? I haven't heard you say thank you, Adam Gaze yet. Yeah. So I was saying about Braxton Berrios, right? (laughs) I mean, we should thank Adam Gaze for this whole operation. If you're going to play this game, right? No, absolutely. You said this the other day, right? Like I know we talk about this all the time. We got to thank him for, for Joe Douglas, we got to thank him for Sala. We got to thank him for Elijah Moore, Michael Carter. Like, we should thank him for all of it. And Denzel Mims, thank you for Denzel. And uh, Makai Becton, and and <laughs> you know, uh, the whole twenty, uh, the whole twenty twenty draft class. <laughs> Ashton Davis. <laughs> um. But, you know, all in all, I think that, the, you know, they, they're they probably going to get something done with Berrios because, you know, if if it is about Zach Wilson, if it is about developing him and, and putting pieces around him, then you got to make him comfortable, right? Like, I always think back to when Mark Sanchez was um, – you know, entering his third season in the NFL, right? They, they, you had, they had just shown you the chemistry that he had with Santonio Holmes and, um, 
Braylon Edwards and Dustin Keller. And then in year three, they, they just said, yeah, no, we're, we don't, we're just going to blow that up. Like we're just, we'll have Santonio. San we'll bring back, we'll bring in, uh, you know, bring in Plexico Burris instead of Braylon, you know, we'll replace Jericho Cotchery with Derek Mason and, and, you know, we'll, we'll replace Brad Smith with Jeremy Curley. Like they had a plan for everything. And Curley was, wasn't bad. No, Curly, like Curly. wasn't Curly wasn't bad because he ended up being a replacement for Derek Mason, which was fine. That, but... that was who was bad. Yeah. That was the worst one out of the whole group. Even Plax. Plax was bad too. But like you like they did the opposite of what you're supposed to do, right? With a young quarterback, where it's like, oh well, you know, we can we can surround our guys with surround our guy with guys that are in, you know, that have chemistry. They're playing in the same offense for now. It would have been him and Braylon's year three together, right? Him and Dustin Keller uh, would have been together in year three. They got, they got rid of, I think Keller got hurt actually. And then they ended up getting rid of him, but um, you know, just was a bad, like, I think that whole operation was just bad. And, you know, Sam Darnold, obviously he never had anybody to really, you know, gain chemistry with. Um, and so I think that just surrounding having Zach, giving Zach the opportunity to grow up with some weapons would just be more beneficial than than saving two, three million dollars in, in cap space. Yeah. And for what? What are we saving it for? Like, I know you get to roll it over, but I think I think we're at the point now with Joe Douglas that. We're going to need to start seeing some tangible evidence of this team going forward. And me and you kind of differed where this rebuild was supposed to be. Like, I think going into this year, you expect the Jets to compete for the playoffs, right? And I'm, I'm I'm not there. I just want to see, like, de- when December 1st hits, like, I want to see them at, like, the six, the five to six win mark. That's where I want to see them in December, where maybe they're out- outside the bubble, just outside the bubble. You know what? We're going to have this conversation a little bit. We let's let's wrap up the special teams here because we're going to have this conversation. There's some stuff that I want to say. Uh, I think I think you know where I'm going. Um, let's just talk about the kicking game. The kicking, like Braden Man, he was hurt. He came back. You know, it's fine. Don't need to talk about Braden Man. Like it is what it is. He's 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 okay. He'll he'll be fine next year. The kicking situation is what I really this is. This is one that just like really just boils my blood, right? Because there were so many times, especially early in the year, where like just a made kick could have changed the complexion of the game at at, at a certain point in the game, right? Like a miss and, and just like even the 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 kicks that Sala was having, Matt Amendola attempt out there. Um you know, g- giving the other offense like immediate, like wonderful field position because you tried to attempt like a 55 yard field goal with the guy that was missing an extra point or like a 40 yard field goal. But here you go trying to make like this 55 yard field goal for what reason? I, I have no idea, but it, it was just really frustrating to watch. Um, and and it was, I was happy to see. Eddie Pinheiro come in and stabilize the situation. He he made eight of his eight kicks uh, compared to 13 of 19 for Amendola there. Um, you know, was able to knock one down from 50. Uh, both these guys did miss an extra point. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, it just, Eddie Pinheiro just felt, you know, it just felt better there. So I hope they bring him back. I think that he's a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I hope they do bring him back. It would have been nice to see. It would be nice to also see them use this this lovely draft capital to just draft a freaking kicker like like this Evan McPherson guy who was a fifth round pick last year, right? Like 
the Jets, I get it. They have a ton of needs, but kicker is one of them. And you could see how many times, like, if you don't have a kicker, it can come back and bite you in the ass, especially when you are a team in the Northeast that refuses to put a bubble over your stadium. And so you want to use that to your advantage. Well, guess what? You should probably invest in a kicker who can make some field goals in poor weather conditions. How about that? Rant over. Okay. I'm with you. I just don't have the brain space to talk about kickers because they're not real people. That's the problem, Frank. That's why the Jets can't have a nice kicker because you sit here and you talk about kickers aren't people too, but then you expect them to go out there and do their job like a person. It's messed up. Got to have change, man. Kickers are people too. Not, not until they actually start kicking. I guess because I feel like the Jets have been out of it for so long. Like, I'm not worried about the kicking situation at this point. You know what it is? You need to you need to bet on Evan McPherson. His, like, Caesars has been throwing some boosts out there where if it's like he gets a, uh, over one and a half and somebody else gets over one and a half. And I know DraftKings, you know, has a ton of props out there, kickers being one of them. So, uh, just take the over a one and a half field goals on Evan McPherson, and you you uh, can't go broke taking a profit. You know what I'm saying? You'll feel better about kickers too. <laughs> all right. With that being said, Frank, let's talk about Sala, right? Because we talked about you know pretty much all the coaches. We talked about how they did. Uh, one of the guys we didn't really talk about was Salah uh, and what you thought, how you thought he did. So in his first season as the New York Jets head coach, they go four and 13. He actually went three and 13, but I think he still gets credit for that win, which is kind of weird to me because he didn't coach the game when he uh, was out for COVID. But um There were times that I was frustrated with Salah for sure. Um, you know, the decisions uh, to kick, to, you know, repeatedly go for it or kick instead of going for it. Uh, we saw some of that aggression, uh, you know, so aggressiveness to go for it later in the year. Um, I, I thought that there was opportunities in the season to, you know, come out and, and kind of um, – you know, set, uh, you know, an expectation for what kind of team we were going to be. And, and, and they didn't do that. They weren't aggressive. They played scared at times at the beginning and, you know, they were a young team. And so, you know, they're dealing with a lot. They're juggling a lot of things. They're trying to teach these young guys while also, you know, trying to, to not kill their confidence and what, and things. So like, I get that part of it. Uh, And I think he'll be fine in, in year two, especially as the talent gets better on the team. Uh, the the one thing, and I, I know Frank, I I said this to you, the one thing that I would love to see from Salah, um, I would love to see him come out right now, right? It's February eighth, Curtis Martin Day. I love to see him come out right now, today, and say, the goal for the New York Jets in twenty twenty two is to win the division and host a playoff game. Because if you say that, you you not you just like you energize the fan base, you energize your players, you you like who cares if it's going to make headlines, right? Like ESPN will put it up and you know, they'll talk about it on Get Up like, "Oh, would you believe what Robert Sala said?" But like who cares? Like t- let them talk about you for that, right? Instead of talking about you for being 4 and 13 or talking about Zach Wilson throwing interceptions or talking about all these other things, right? Like that's what Rex Ryan used to do. He said, you know, put, say he put it on himself, but what it also does is you let the free agents out there know, like, this isn't the same old jets. 
like we're coming out here. We're trying to we're we have a mission. We're trying that's what we're trying to accomplish. Like look at the Cincinnati Bengals, right? They they hadn't won a playoff prior to the season, hadn't won a playoff game in 31 years. And now they're one win away from potentially winning a Super Bowl. And what did Joe Burrow been saying since September? The objective, the goal is to win the division. He didn't care that there's Baltimore with, with Lamar Jackson. He didn't care uh, you know, that in Pittsburgh they had Ben big Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin. He didn't care that in Cleveland they had Baker Mayfield and that they had just, you know, won, you know, made the playoffs the year before. He didn't care about any of that. He just cared about doing what they had to do to win the division. And I think if the New York Jets, if Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Jets, comes out and sets that standard, right? The Jets always say the standard is the standard. Well, let the standard be winning the division in AFC East crown and making the playoffs. Let that be the standard. Monologue over. I hear you. I'm just more, I don't want to say pessimistic. But I'm I'm just being more realistic, right? Because I was for a complete teardown. And I think it's unrealistic to compare these Jets with the Bengals that we're watching. Because number one, I don't think Zach Wilson's ever going to be Joe Burrow. That's number one. And number two, that defense that they have over there is real. They got some players on that defense. The Jets, even if they spent all the cap space and hit home runs on every one of these draft picks, I don't think we'd be able to compete with that team minus the offensive lines. Like, I think our offensive lines are comparable. Actually, I think ours is probably rated a little bit better. I'm just going to have more patience with this because I want this built in the right way. Like, I I don't want to be hyperbolic where I say, you know what, the Jets need to make the playoffs or I'm going to lose my stuff, right? Like, I'm not there, and I don't think you're, and I'm. I don't think that's what you're saying, but, and I, yeah, I'd, I'd like for there to be a sense of urgency, but it doesn't have to be right now. Like the sense of urgency could come at OTAs after we know what our roster is. Like that used to that used to like drive me crazy when Rex would make the declarations at the combine that they're going to win the Super Bowl when you don't know what the team looks like. But maybe, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm a delusional Jets fan that's been beaten down for all these years and I don't know how to appreciate nice things. Well, I think you – are somewhat right. I will agree with you. And so I'm not saying that the the Jets need to make the playoffs or I'm going to say 2022 was a failure. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, and I've said this to you before, and I said this on the show, my expectation for the Jets is to not make the playoffs. My expectation is when I see, you know, I'm watching the games in December January, it's week, you know, 13, 14, 15. And they have the graphic on the bottom about the playoff teams are showing them. And maybe the Jets aren't six or seven, but in the hunt, they put that in the hunt graphic up there. And guess what you see? The New York Jets. And I'm not saying that they need to make the playoffs. I'm just saying they need to make that their goal. Right, not not to the point where they are they are sitting there, you know, you know, Rex Ryan's crying in you know week sixteen because he thinks that we we were eliminated from playoff contention. I'm not saying that they need to just 
they need to go into the season saying this is our goal, right? And like we've all been there, right? We've all we've all been athletes. We've all you know we've all ha- set goals in life. If you set a goal and everything you do, every fiber of your being will be for that for that goal for that ultimate goal. And if the Jets are not, or if they're just going through the motions, like yeah, you know, we're just you know we're just trying to be one of the you know one of the best of the thirty-two, right? Like, you know, we're just trying to win every game. Everyone tries to win every game. Right, but what's your like? What is your objective? Right? Do you want to win a Lombardi Trophy? Do you want to make the playoffs? Do you? Is that what you want? And I just want to hear them say it. That's it. Is I it, don't need. Is it important for you for him to tell the fans this? I just think he needs to say it. No, but we don't know if he's not saying it. You're right. But that's why I but, asked. Is it important for you to hear him to say it to the fans? What yes, it is important because what I want him to say is because they're gonna ask him, like, what's the goal for this team? Oh, well, of course the goal is to, you know, to go out there and and, and win the Super Bowl. Right. But I want him to come out and say, like, with some gusto, like, hey, like we expect to win the division. Like, who cares if you piss Buffalo off? Right? Like, who cares? I just I would like to see that fire. I'd like to see it. Um, it's just, again, personal preference of mine, but uh, I just want them to set the sta- to set that standard. And I, and the other part where I said I disagree with you a little bit, right? You look at Cincinnati. Um, you look at Cincinnati just a year ago, where they are now, right? Not too different than the New York Jets. Right, like you got your second-year quarterback. You know, Joe Burrow was obviously the number one pick. Um, Zach Wilson, the number two pick. You you got a second-round wide receiver, Elijah Moore, T. Higgins. Right now, you're coming into a draft. You've got a top-five pick. The Bengals had had the top, the number five overall pick. They took Jamar Chase. Obviously, there's no Jamar Chase in this draft. So I'm not even going to go there, but the Jets have the number four pick. They also have the 10 pick, right? So they have an opportunity to to add even more players. And then on top of that, the Bengals last year were one of the – they made some key additions in free agency, Trey Hedrickson, um, you know, Shadobe Awuze at corner. So – uh, I think they added a linebacker as well. I can't for, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know they made some additions there on defense to help shore up what was a previously you know poor defense. Larry uh, Larry Ogunjobi they added as well. So like there are some opportunities here for the Jets to kind of replicate a little bit of what Cincinnati did in in the previous offseason. and I, you know I don't think. You know, Zach Wilson is Joe Burrow. I don't think he's going to be, but there's no reason why he can't have a similar type of trajectory to Joe Burrow without the, you know, Joe Cool being, you know, the man. Oh, I agree with you. And I'm, I'm, God knows I want Zach Wilson to have a second year like Joe Burrow had this year because. You got excited for us drafting Michael Carter. If Zach Wilson has a year anywhere close to what Joe Burrow had, bro, I'm telling you right now, there will be some guys. This, Frank, this is a PG show. I know. So. I I I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've been a starved. We have been starved Jet fans, especially with the quarterback position. For a long time. But that being said. Um, yeah. like That's just where I'm at. I, I'm, I'm willing to play the long game. Because I've seen how. The Jets go crazy with free agency. And then the next. Three years. We're in salary cap hell. And 
we got to trade guys or can't resign guys. Then we don't know how to draft. And so I'm okay playing the long game. If we could have a stretch like we had with Herman and Mangini and, and Parcells where for a decade straight, we make the playoffs eight out of those 10 years. Like that, that's the end goal. It's not year two of a rebuild to make the playoffs and get bounced in the wild card round. It's, to be continually competitive and hopefully we're in a position where we could start competing for world titles. I, I think that losing in the wild card round year two is perfectly okay. I it is perfectly okay, but I'm saying if they don't make the playoffs in year two, I'm not I'm not going to be yeah, concerned. And I I As never long, said that I never no, said no, that. I'm not, and I'm not, I, 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 I understand. I'm just, you know, I'm just expressing how I'm feeling. So how many wins would you, would it take for you to consider the season a success? If you had seven, to put a win total. Seven plus. Seven. Seven plus. So seven and ten. I think it's a success. I think I need eight. But it also how it looks for me, right? I can't. You can't just tell me. I know. Give me a, give I me a number, right? I know. Like, how does those seven wins look? What does that schedule look like? How, like, we know who the Jets are playing, but what does that schedule look like? I know, but I think eight. I think seven and ten would be like, it'd be it'd be okay, right? It's like you know, it'd be it'd be okay. I that, think it would but, be. Fine. I think that, seven and ten will be fine. Seven and ten will be fine. I take it back. I take it all back. Seven and ten will be fine. Take it back. It's just weird because I had to ask myself, all right, would you be okay if they went seven and nine? And I was like, yes, I would be okay if they went seven and nine. So I'll just take seven and ten. Okay. Um what what are your thoughts about Sala? I like him. I think it took him a little while to get comfortable being a head coach. Like, I think in the beginning of the year, he tried not being him. Like, I think he tried being like that quote unquote head coach, right? That, you know, that I got to be calm. I got to be collective. I can't show emotion. Basically, Eric Mangini, you know, where, you know, I can't being me because all these guys are looking at me, you know, and I'm going to hear it from the media. And you saw that towards the end of the year, him getting it, it, getting into it with the officials him screaming when offense, defense, special teams made a big play, like especially towards the end of the year, when Zach would have a big play, you see him right there. Right. Uh, Especially because you got um, the Hobbit, I don't mean have it like that, but I mean, like, I meant to say Yoda because uh, LaFleur seems so smart now when he's up in the booth calling all these great and innovative innovative plays. Go ahead. What are you going to say? I have nothing to say. No, you. well, you took yourself off mute for a reason. I was just wanted you to think that I had something to say, but I have nothing to say. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyways. But that, that's what I think about Salah. You, I was high on the, I was high on the hire from day one, and I think he's going to be a good coach. I, I just want to see how they're going to fill out the rest of the staff because I still think, I, it doesn't sound like they're going to bring Beck back, and I'm, I don't know how I feel with Calabrese being the game day ear for Wilson. So apparently, according to Connor Hughes, Beck was just Beck was there to learn how the Jets, what the Jets, so 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 smart by the Jets, so smart. I I love it. You you hire a guy for half the year so he could teach Zach going into year two about what he needs to do to get better. Perfect. Yeah, well, it's a lot about how like uh, they want to see. They want him to see how they're coaching things, right? So when he's going into the offseason, working on some stuff, uh, maybe there's some things that 
he that they don't work that they don't want the, the Jets don't want him working on anymore. Who knows? Um, but you know, I definitely think that that's advantageous to um, to you know them you know for, you know to everybody involved, right? Zach Wilson as well as as well as the Jets. So um, you know, Calabrese, I think you know he'll be he'll be fine as that that mentor they didn't bring Kavanaugh back um I think they're going to bring in the quality control coach of, of some sort to fill that that third that third role um but yeah we'll be curious to see I mean seems like you know Sala has uh you know his his hands on the uh on, on you know on the pulse of of the staff pretty pretty well so I, I like that part of it um what do you think the, of the job Joe Douglas has done, right? Like, I think we talk about the Jets in 2022 and, you know, if this does go poorly, right? If they do go two and 15 or three and third, you know, three and 13, right? Or three and 14, like somebody's head is going to fall for that. And they both, are going. they're both are going to go. I mean, I, yeah, I think I could definitely see both being gone, but Sala would I, Sala, I think would have an easier time convincing the Jets that he should I think stay. They, I think the Jets are done. I think the Jets are done with these, these half marriages. Yeah. But then also, I mean, you know, I'm just speculating, right? Like, and we're like, we're, we're out from again, this. but again, it depends what it but, looks like. Does Zach Wilson get hurt at the beginning of the year and he's out for the season? I think that, yeah, it, it, all, it would all depend, but I think either way, like a head has to, a head would have to fall for it. Right. Like, a, like, like you're right. Right. Like if it's Zach Wilson, right. Like then, yeah. But at the same time, Zach Wilson was a kid that had injury concern like injury history coming out of BYU and you chose to, to take him number two. So that's you know still I still think I think regard I think regardless of what happens, I think this whole crew is gonna get another year. I think what could happen is you could get like a situation down like you see in Carolina with Matt Rule where all the coordinators are gone. And he brings in. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I I can't see it if they go like three and thirteen. I I can't see nobody losing their like nobody of significance losing their job. I could definitely see Joe Douglas losing his job at that point. I could definitely see like even Sala just being as well connected as he is. Right? Like he could like who's to say he couldn't convince Woody Johnson like, hey, I know a GM out in San Francisco, or there's this guy I worked with in Seattle, right? And you know, having essentially like the the coach pick the GM, kind of like what Rule did, right? So, like, I don't think any. I think a lot of things are on the table. I think that with the sport being the sport that it is, and having a ton of variants, I think that anything, could, <laughs> literally anything, could happen. So, um, you know, again, not saying that I believe that anybody's going to get fired. I'm just saying Joe Douglas is probably the guy that people would point to. Most likely, right? Because it would mean his draft picks aren't contributing. It would mean his free agency, uh, you know, another free agency that probably didn't go well. Um, so there's a lot of things. There would be a lot of things at play here uh, with, you know, with with Joe Douglas. So what are your thoughts on Joe Douglas as we enter 2022? Mixed. Like, his draft this year was phenomenal, right? And if anything, that's what's going to – if the Jets have a poor season. Can I just say that we said this about the 2021 class after the class? I'm just saying. This class is definitely better than 2021. I'm just saying. I hate I, – I, You mean 2020. I personally will not fall – yeah, 2020. I will not fall into that trap because I'm, <laughs> I remember saying about the 2021 class, or the 2020 class, how good of a class that was entering 20. Yeah, but if I know this is revisionist history, but if you compare how we felt then at the end of 2020 to how we felt after the 2021, 100%. 100%. right? Like it's, it's not even close when you talk about 
you got know. four starters. You had you had essentially four starters from the twenty twenty one class, and possibly five if Pinnock makes that move to safety. Actually, I didn't even count Michael Carter, so you really had five. Michael Carter the second, you yeah. had five, right? So, are you counting Sherwood? No, I was going Zach Wilson, ABT, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, and the other Michael Carter. So that's five. And then if you count Pinnock, and it's you six. Count, I, I, I'm not going to count Pinnock because he's not really a starter. Am I? Not, sure, yeah. Sherwood, possible starter. Neither a starter. Right. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. When you go through, I mean, I would Jets, hope that Sherwood. I'm honestly at the point where I hope Sherwood. I just hope they get like uh, another linebacker, Andre Campbell. <laughs> and sure with special teams, bro. All right, we can't talk about so, this right now. So you know, I, yeah. I mean, if Joe Douglas, yeah. I mean, you you were going. I just I interrupted because I was just like, I'm not saying that, but go ahead. Wait, where was I? I forget. You were talking was... about Joe Douglas. Uh, the oh yeah. So 2021 class was really good. So the 2021 class was really good. So. But when you look at his free agent signings that he's made, like there's a lot to be desired. Like, fit, phenomenal. And I'm just going through offensive line real quick. Moses, okay. He brought in the center that used at it that played for Carolina um, out of retirement. That was a disaster. He was done. Van Roten, terrible. Feeney. What about your boy? Who? Connor McDermott. Or the, Connor, Connor McGovern. Yeah, my boy. I think that was a decent signing, to be to be honest, right? He is what we thought he was. You know, he's a middle of the middle of the road center. He's not gonna he doesn't move the needle one way or the other to me like like Moses does positively, or or Fant rather, or both of them, and he's not going to move it negatively like Van Roten does. But yeah, even I on, can see that, right? And even on the offensive side of the ball, like Corey Davis, all right, decent, I guess. You know, but he did let he didn't re-sign Robbie. When we had Robbie. So, I, like, he, in my opinion, he's got a hit on the free agents and the draft class this year. I think it's very important. Yeah, I mean, look, again, uh, Joe Douglas's pretty much career right now is tied to Zach Wilson. And if Zach Wilson doesn't succeed, this front office, this coaching staff, could potentially be out the door, right? So, like, it all comes down to making sure Zach Wilson has success. Um, and I think that you're going to see the moves that Joe Douglas makes reflect that, right? So I think it's going to be um, upgrading the weapons via the, the draft, via free agency, um, especially free agency. Uh, maybe you know Joe Douglas sounded like a guy who's going to be aggressive in in the in the trade market, even the veteran market. Uh, so I definitely see uh, Joe Douglas using these uh, these resources that he has available to him to make to you know to try to field the best possible team that he can. Um, we're running out of time here, so uh, probably not going to get into the headlines. Um, but we do want to talk about a little bit about Super Bowl. Um, maybe we'll talk about headlines as quickly as we can. We'll do like rapid fire. But if we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, then we obviously have to tell you about the lovely folks at DraftKings. And the moment that we've been waiting for since September is finally here in honor of the big game. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Just bet $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. 
DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. That's crazy. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 years or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Crushed it. What's up? Let's talk about these games here. And according to DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, this the Bengals are four and a half point underdogs um that's you know i like that line a lot we'll talk about that in a little bit um trying to sorry i lost the total on the game i would imagine that the game would just be like right here for me but it's it's not um sorry um but frank what are you thinking about the uh the you know the this this game and the opportunity here, you know, with the Bengals and the Rams and, um, you know, the, the Bengals being four and a half point dogs here. I've been going back and forth on this pretty much. 48 and a half point total, by the way. Yeah. I've been going back and forth on this all week because the strength of the Rams, I think, is that D line. When you talk about Von Miller and Aaron Donald in particular. And the weakness for this Bengals team has been the offensive line. Like, Burrow's pretty much gotten beaten up all season. Does he have some more magic in him? You know, you 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 know, you know have that famous saying about Burrow, which I've been living Joel on all, all year. But I think it's going to be a little bit difficult this week you know, does is Chase allowed to go off against Jalen Ramsey? I don't know. Jalen Ramsey is one of the best cover corners in the league. So, and I, I literally have just made this decision right now. I'm going to take the Rams and the plus four. Yeah, uh, I four and a half. Sorry, four and a half. I um, it's just so I'm so torn, man. Because I've been riding the Bengals all postseason. Um, I've basically been riding them to cover uh, to since the wild card week when they were like seven point favorites against the the Vegas or against Vegas, and I'm like, that's it. Um, I took them to cover the week after against Tennessee. I took them to cover against uh, Kansas City. Even took the live line against Kansas City when they were plus eleven. So, um, yeah, I've just been, you know, hammering Cincy to cover. So four and a half. I think that they they get they get that there. Um, they'll get you know. They, I could see them losing a three point game. I will, however. Oh man, I don't think this. I think this is the first time I'm going to say it, but. I, I think I'm gonna take the Bengals on to win. I think I, t- I think I would take the Bengals on the money line. I think, um, you know, the Rams are a good team, but you know, and while you you know you're you're right that D line has been the struggle there. Uh, you know the you know the money maker 
for the for the Rams and and the the money taker for uh you know the the Bengals you know I just think that they're going to they have enough weapons uh they have that run game in Joe Mixon with Joe Mixon that they can lean on as well which will help with the play action game which will help slow down that pass rush I mean Aaron Donald lives by stopping the run on the way to the quarterback he lives by that so there's some opportunities here for the for the Bengals to run the football um and you know, again, if they if they want to put all the all the attention on Jamar Chase, uh, you know, T. Higgins is a damn good receiver in his own right as well. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm just gonna put that out there. I'm gonna take the Bengals to to win the to win the Super Bowl. All right. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's talk about you know. Let's just. Rapid fire some headlines real quick. Um, Hold on before before we get into that, I have a question for you that we were talking about at work. So it was reported that the upper deck tickets were fifteen thousand dollars a ticket for the Super Bowl. If the Jets were to make it, where's that line of demarcation for you? Where I don't know. Ask me when they make it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I don't. You know how my brain works. And we don't have a we don't have a whole lot of time for this. So we just try to do the rapid fire questions. <laughs> we'll have to cover it another time. But um, anyway, the uh, Makai Becton news. Robert Sala at the Senior Bowl said Makai Becton will have to compete with George Fant for the left tackle job. Uh, Frank, are you buying this, or do you think it's a load of crap? No, I'm buying it. I, I think the way that George Fant played this year, he he earned the right to have a competition for that left tackle spot. Yep, totally agree. I think that um, George Fant, it's, it should be his job to lose and that Makai Becton has to – he has to prove to this coaching staff uh, that you know that he, he can be the guy that they can depend on to be their franchise left tackle. So um, – the next headline is Nemesis, longtime Nemesis Tom Brady retires from football after 22 years, uh, 21 of which he was he spent tormenting us. Uh, well, 20 of which he spent tormenting us. But Frank, your thoughts on the retirement of Tom Brady? And do you, he recently said never say never about a potential return. So do you see him potentially coming back? No comment. I I will refuse to talk about Tom Brady on this podcast unless we're playing him. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, well, do you think he will come back? Maybe. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, hate it, Tom Brady. Um, really strongly dislike the man, and I really don't like using the word hate. So, really, really strongly like dislike that person. Um, until he signed with Tampa Bay, and I like I didn't I didn't really hate him anymore. Uh, you know, you really think about it, Tom Brady. He he had some. You know, he he's embarrassed the Jets. He's beat them, but if you really think about the most important game that the Jets played, the Jets and the in New England have played against one another uh, in recent memory. The Jets got the upper hand in that divisional round matchup. So. Uh, don't really hate, you know, the, you know, I'm part of me was sad because as a football fan, like, you know, my whole football life has involved Tom Brady, right? Like he was in it the, the, the year I started watching football and he was in it up until this, this year here. So like pretty much covered a lifetime for me. So, um, yeah, part of, part of me, like, you know, me being the football nerd historian that I love to be, uh, is, you know, sad about that, but, you know, neither here nor there. Uh, Frank, there have been a lot of debates about what the Jets should do with the number four pick. Uh, what do you think they should do with that fourth pick? I don't know. Depends what they do in free agency. You have to answer that question now. Hamilton. Yep, and then I want Iki Iguanu, Um, but that's just me. Uh, any other topics that I missed here, Frank? 
Middleton speech epic. Middleton was his speech was epic. If it moves, hit it. If it don't move, hit it. And uh, there was some other part which I'm missing, but Frank, you should know because you watched it like 42 times apparently. So if you think yeah, it, seen... if you think it moved, hit it. <laughs> that was pretty much it. He was like a high school offensive line coach. It was awesome. I loved every minute of it. And, and I forget who put it out, but they said that you could tell Will the difference. No, not that one. The, there was a tweet that put out was that you could tell the difference between the two coaching staffs at the Senior Bowl, that there was a lot more enthusiasm coming from the Jets um, coaching staff. Yeah, and the, they, the national team, they coached the national team. The national team did win uh, the Senior Bowl. Um, so definitely, um, you know, it was nice for the Jets coaching staff to get a win. Anyways. That being said, I think we didn't go too crazy. We covered a lot today. We even got to the rap. We even got some rapid fire headline discussions in there too. So uh, we'll be back in two weeks. So uh, until next time, y'all, we love you. We appreciate you. Uh, Be safe. And uh, yeah, we'll catch y'all in two weeks. Peace.